Brewers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Friday, December 4th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is Goalies Week, which we kicked off on Wednesday's episode. Wow, what a great conversation. I enjoyed it so much. Catching up with Marty Biron, the former Flyers goaltender. And in this episode, we're going to have a conversation with former Flyers goaltender. Was the Stanley Cup Finals goaltender back in 2010? Michael Layton will join us on this episode. All said and done, Michael Layton uh, in the NHL ended up playing 110 games over 10 seasons. Spent a lot of time in the AHL as well. Bounced around quite a bit. Had some uh, good uh, stretches in the NHL, and in particular with the Philadelphia Flyers, where he played 33 games, 33 games, 28-19-8. Record for the Philadelphia Flyers with a 9-10 save percentage, a 2-7-6 goals against average, and one shutout. And if you go back to those 2009-10 playoffs, he played in 14 games in those playoffs. Uh, started in 13 of them. He went 8-3. and three. He allowed 31 goals total, 371 saves, 916 save percentage, and three shutouts, which all came in the series against the Montreal Canadiens in the conference final in the conference final to punch a ticket to the Stanley Cup final. We'll talk about that with Michael Layton as well. Also, coming up on Monday's episode of Goalies Week here on Flyers Daily, Robert Esch will join us. Got to a conference final back in 2004 with the Flyers uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll also talk to him on Monday's episode. And next Wednesday, we'll talk to another Flyer goaltender who got to a conference final, this time in 2000 when they faced the New Jersey Devils. Brian Boucher, who spent two stints with the Flyers, will be next week as well. We'll also talk to former Flyers announcer and goaltender Bobby Taylor coming up here on Goalies Week. We're having a blast doing it. I hope everybody is enjoying it. In the meantime, let's get to our conversation with the goaltender who uh, appeared for the Flyers in the Stanley Cup Final in 2010. He'll tell you why the goal that Patrick Kane scored probably wouldn't happen if it would have been a couple of seasons later. Here's my conversation with Michael Layton. It is Flyers Goalies Week, and everybody knows I was very excited about doing it this week. And on the line with us on this episode is former Flyer goaltender, former Chicago Blackhawk, former Anaheim Duck. I could go on and on. It's been a long and winding road, but Michael Layton joins us on this episode. Lates, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, let me just kind of start at the end to kind of of your career, because it's interesting. I said the long and winding road, and it's been a long and winding road NHL career. So when you have all that movement and around the not only the country, but North America, um, you, you the stability of living in one place for long periods of time as an NHL player is not there. And you moved around a lot. So when when you hung it up, was that one of the harder things to be kind of in one place? Uh, well, no, because I'm home with my family. So that's yeah. um, that's one of the reasons or the main reasons why I did hang it up. Um, you know, the last few years of my career, I was. Uh, going from AHL city to AHL city and, you know, my family was at home in, in LaSalle, Ontario. So uh, being, being away from them was definitely hard. So when I did decide to retire, it was, uh, it was nice to, to be at home and, and spend all my time with my family. And uh, I pretty much just took the year off and, and, and did family time for a year. So that, that was definitely rewarding. And you have three kids and according to the internet, <laughs> right. Um, they all play <laughs> hockey. And you're helping with their teams. Uh, how awesome is that to kind of see the game through their eyes? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, again, me not being around was really tough. Uh, you know, uh, I always felt like 
with my career, I, I could have helped them in hockey, but me being away from home, obviously my wife was the one bringing them and, and trying to teach them and, and me teaching them over the phone obviously didn't work out too well. So, um, you know, just being, being home and being able to go on the ice with them and, um, you know, share those moments with them that I had when I was younger, uh, is awesome. And, and to see them progress as hockey players and, and grow up is, is, has been nice the last few years. Any attendees in the group? No, unfortunately not. My, my boy's seven, uh, still holding hope. <laughs> he, yeah, he's he got likes time. Scoring, he likes scoring goals and he, he mixes in a, uh, the pads once in a while and he enjoys it. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not going to, not going to push him that way, but I would definitely enjoy it if he did, but I'll, I'll let him make that decision. Yeah. What, what led you to the position? Cause it's, it's probably, you probably check one of these boxes, uh, either at older brothers and they shoved you in that or you love the equipment, <laughs> or, right? What's, what's, uh, well, it might be one of those or look, both of those or some combination. Yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, I do have older brothers. We always played street hockey, and I, I, I really enjoyed playing out. I still do. Um, I just, you know, I played a year up growing up because I had a brother that was one year older than me, and I, I seemed to always do well against my own age group, so they moved me up. Um, I played a year or two up with my brother, and the first time I played goalie, I just fell in love with it. It was, to me, it was more challenging. I know that sounds weird, but uh, I was a decent player playing out. Um, my first game I played, I think we lost eight or 10, nothing. <laughs> and I went to my parents and I said, oh my God, that was so much fun. And they just shook their head and said, oh no. <laughs> and, you know, right from there, I just, I fell in love with it. It was a challenge and I got better. I worked my butt off and I had a good goalie coach when I was younger that, uh, that, you know, volunteered his time to come out to practice and, and, and help me out and taught me the basics. And I just, you know, kept loving it all the way through. It's amazing. You go out in that first game and you give up eight or 10, but you love it. That, that, then, you yeah. know, it's got its hooks in you. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Position does. Yeah. Uh, you play, I always ask guys about this because, you know, down here in, you know, around Philadelphia in the United States, a lot of people don't understand the prestige that goes along with a tournament that you played in as a peewee, and that's the Quebec International Peewee Tournament. So many of our guests here on the, on the podcast have played in it. Um, what was it like to yeah. play in that very prestigious tournament? I mean, Gretzky played in it. The names are stunning. Oh, it was, it was definitely an experience for, you know, I was, I think, 12 years old or something. We, we took a train from Windsor into Quebec, um, you know, we spent uh, a week there. We stayed at a billet home. Uh, we played at the Quebec Coliseum, which, you know, the, the Nordiques were, were gone then, but we were, two of the games, there was a, a full building at the Quebec wow. Coliseum. <laughs> so, you know, you, you walk out on the ice and you look around and you've got a whole, you know, 17 or 18,000 people in, the, in this building was, was pretty amazing for a 12-year-old. And, and just the whole experience about being in Quebec and, you know, we went skiing and we went uh, tubing and we did a bunch of other stuff around the city. But um, the whole experience of the tournament was just phenomenal and, and something I'll never forget. Um, let me take you back in your career. I mean, you had just a couple of minutes ago, you said that, you know, you get up eight or 10 goals in, in your first game as a goalie. You also had 98 saves in an AHL five overtime game. Let me take you back mm -hmm. to that night. I mean, first of all, five overtimes is insane. How much of your equipment are you changing in and out of in getting into overtime number two, number three? Because your equipment's going to get really heavy, especially your chesty and, you know, your gloves. I'm assuming you're changing those out. But how are you handling yourself in between periods so that you don't die of exhaustion? 
Uh, well, I always changed my shirt and my sweatband in my helmet. So the, the trainers were throwing those in the dryer to, to dry them in between periods. Uh, for me, it was a dehydration problem. I, I kind of had that my whole life where I had to drink. I found out early in my career, I had to drink a lot of fluids throughout the whole day. Uh, and then even on the ice, I was drinking a full Gatorade bottle full of Gatorade. And then I would go in the room and drink a full Gatorade with Gator Light, which is uh, like electrolyte salts. And then plus water. So, uh, you know, the whole game, I couldn't even count how many Gatorades I drank and how much water I drank. And I still lost 12 pounds after that whole uh, five overtimes. So, um, you know, it was one of those when they scored, I was obviously right away. I was like, oh, man, disappointed that we just went five overtimes and lost. But then it was like, okay, let's just get me off the ice. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I skated off the ice. I sat in my gear for another 20 minutes, didn't move, and then slowly got undressed. And then we went to bed that night, woke up the next morning. We took a bus to Philly. Uh, and then we actually played the next day after that. And I won, uh, I think we won one or two nothing. I got a shut out 42 saves or something the next night. Oh my two, two nights later after that game. So, wow. Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a good series for me, but, uh, you know, I did a four overtime game and, and the KHL too, and we won that one. And that was obviously more enjoyable to win, but they're not fun. They're not fun to, to be going and going and going. It gets agonizing at some point, doesn't it? It does. And, and the, and the hockey gets worse because the players are getting tired. So it's more of a dump yeah. and chase, uh, get the puck, maybe get a scoring chance, get off the ice. So it's more line changes and trying to preserve your energy because you don't know how long the game's going to go. You can't just throw your top line out for, uh, you know, two shifts in a row and hope they score because if they don't, then you're in trouble. And as a goalie, uh, goalies, we hate that because you start to lose a lot of defensive zone structure too, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's when everyone's tired, the game just gets sloppy. And um, I think, you know, like I said, I don't know how many uh, great a scoring chances I had that game. I know I had a bunch, but, um, you know, a lot were just come over the blue and, and, and try to get a shot with guys driving the net. So, um, my D did a great job that, that, that game. And it was just, uh, something I wouldn't want to do too often, obviously. Yeah, no doubt that I'm sure the ramifications in the body for a while, uh, take a bit to recover. Uh, let's look at your, your flyers career because, um, you know, when you, when you come here to Philadelphia, what an interesting year it was for you. Uh, you were three teams in, in the season that you came that 2009, 10 season, uh, you were with uh, Toronto that year, Carolina, and you end up here in Philadelphia. Uh, Peter Laviolette's the coach. You end up getting in 27 games, 26 starts for the Flyers. You go 16-5-2. You're on a heater here. You got a 9-18 save percentage. You're playing really well. Uh, what was it when you, like when you got here to Philadelphia, and as, how did you assimilate yourself so quick? Because your game uh, certainly indicates that you did. Yeah, you know, I was playing behind Cam Ward in Carolina. I didn't get um, a great opportunity. He was he was playing great, and and they just rolled with him. So I didn't play very much. Um, and then I got put on waivers with Carolina, and nobody picked me up. So my agent called uh, Paul Holmgren and said, you know, I know you have some injuries. Um, you know, Michael will come and and fill that role for a little while, and then when you're healthy, he will go down and play in the AHL and and kind of be a good soldier. So, you know, Paul liked that idea and picked me up. And I think I backed up uh, a few games right off the bat. And then uh, I think Ray Razor got hurt, went down. And, and then I jumped in and up, then Bush got hurt. So then I ended up playing. So it just kind of injuries put me in that spot. And 
I think now that I look back in my career, I was more of a goalie who definitely did better the more I played. If I sat on the bench, you know, for 20, 30 games and then jumped in, I, I would just play okay and, and not great. But when I got in a rhythm, I felt good. Um, and, and that was the best hockey I played right there was I got a chance to play. I went through the winter classic, uh, and, and kept rolling. The team was, was behind in points and, and we battled back into a playoff spot. And, and then I got a high ankle sprain in, in Nashville, which, uh, put a damper on everything. At that point, are you just going, are you kidding me? I'm in a nice rhythm here. This is a good fit. I'm playing well. The team's playing well. H- how do you handle those kind of moments in your career lates? Because, you're, you're well-traveled at that point and, and you're looking to really put a stamp on it and do something special. Then you get, you get the injury. How, how do you handle yeah, that? It, it was really deflating. Uh, yeah. Everything was going great. Um, you know, when I hurt my ankle, I was thinking maybe a week or two, I'd be back. And I get a call from Paul Holmgren saying he just spoke to uh, Jim across and the doctors and, and they said my year was done. So <laughs> Uh, when I hear that in March, March 17th and around there, I was like, uh, so definitely deflating and, and disappointing. Um, but the doctors and the trainers were all great and got me back for the the second round of playoffs. I jumped in against Boston. So uh, we did a lot of rehab and a lot of work and, um, you know, put the time in to get back and, and worked out. That's incredible that they tell you your season's over in mid-March and then boom, uh, you're down 0-3 in that series against Boston. And now you get inserted. What game did you get back in, in into that series? Uh, I was game five. So we, we were down 3-0. We won, I believe, at home in overtime, mm-hmm. uh, forced game five, and we went into Boston and then Bush went down in the second period. Wow. So that so, And that was my first game back. That was my first <laughs> game back on the bench. So I get back on the bench and I'm just happy to be out there. And all of a sudden, you know, Bush goes down in second period. We're winning one or two, nothing. So uh, pretty nerve wracking to jump in uh, my first playoff game, uh, you know, after coming off an injury. And a lot of people don't know, but my, after my high ankle sprain, I had my foot taped up almost into a cast. So I couldn't, I couldn't actually go on my outside edge um, to skate behind the net for the first, uh, first round or two. I was, you know, very limited to what I could do with that one foot. Oof, man, trying to deal with all the pressure of that situation. And obviously when you get back in there in game five and start, you guys are on the comeback. But I mean, at that time, you don't know what's in store and how that's going to play out. Take me to that game seven. Um, It's because the position of goaltending is packed with so much pressure. It's the last line of defense. You don't leave the ice. You're in that game. You guys get down. But you got to compartmentalize as a goalie and you got to mentally reset. And because if you don't, it's going to affect the next shot and the next opportunity for you to make a save. That could be the save that is the difference. How were you able to do that in that game after they were on top of you and that crowd's on top of you so much to make those very key saves and eventually you guys get the lead and win that series? Yeah. When I talked about deflating with, uh, with the injury, when you get down three, nothing, you know, 12 or 13 minutes into a game seven, that was deflating. And, you know, Peter Laviolette called the timeout I go to the bench. He looks over at me and says, you know, late, you're good. You're good. So, you know, calm down. You're good. And then I have a couple of players tap me on the pads and say, let's go, let's go. So right there, it kind of got me, you know, a little bit of confidence back and I knew we were in it together. And that's, that's kind of what my mindset was. This, this is a team sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether the goals were my fault or not, we're, we were all in it together. And, uh, you know, I had confidence in that team. As soon as we scored that first goal, uh, before the end of the first, I kind of knew that that we were on the verge of it. So, 
you know, I decided I knew I had to do, uh, do my part and, and just make the saves I had to make. And, um, you know, the rest is history there. You're skating back to the crease after that, you know, you get the tap from a couple of players, which is always the, good for a goalie to, to, to get. And those words from Peter Laviolette, you saying anything to yourself on the, on the stroll back to the crease? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I spoke to myself a few times in my career and just say, <laughs> all right, let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's, uh, yeah. Office is closed now, boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You, as a goaltender, you got to be mentally tough, and you got to be able to just say, uh, you know, that that was kind of my thing. All right, let's let's go, let's go, let's let's get rid of everything that just happened. Let's look forward. The game is zero zero in our head. Let's just win the rest of the game. And 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 that was something I felt I was good at is, is just shaking off, uh, even if it's a bad goal, it's, it's shaking it off and move on to the next one. Yeah, bad goals are going to happen when you see enough shots, no question about it. Uh, you guys move on to the conference final. Boy, was that an incredible series against uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, you know there's so much history with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but you also put yourself in the NHL record book, and you still sit there for, for that series in particular. Three shutouts in a playoff series, Lakes. You were in a groove. You come into that series, and Yaro Halak is stopping everything and anything. He was incredible leading up to it did you just get dialed in against Montreal to a level that you just felt like they couldn't beat you at all? Yeah. You know, what was great about that was Montreal was an arena that I felt amazing. in every time I played, I loved playing there. That was actually one of my favorite arenas to play in. So to go into Montreal and play there, I just felt comfortable and you know, the fans and the atmosphere, I, I didn't matter if they were chanting my name or not. I just, I still get chill thinking about it. And there's a few songs that I hear, um, you know, I could still picture the kids skating around with the flags, waving the flags and the ice is, is all painted as, you know, like a big fire. And, you know, those are things I'll never forget. I love playing that building and that whole series, we just, you know, from, from goalie to the forwards, we just played an all around great team game and we shut them down. We shut their offense down and offensively we were hot and, it was it was uh, a very good series for us against Montreal for sure. Can you explain that to the people listening? Because you know, certain buildings you'll feel more comfortable in, whether that's because of I don't know. It could be as simple as sight lines, um, past success in a building. What was it you think that had you feeling so comfortable inside the Bell Center? Uh, well, there's there's a number of things. Uh, just the comfort in the arena. Sometimes the lighting. Yeah. Um, like I hated playing in New York because the lighting was terrible and the ice was bad. So Montreal always had good ice, good lighting, great atmosphere. And, you know, I, and I grew up a hockey fan, a Leaf fan, if you can believe it. But just being in an NHL rink still was odd to me. I, I loved it. It was, it was something that I'll always cherish is that I, I played in so many different rinks and got to see, you know, the fans and the arena and, just the whole atmosphere in, in that city. Um, so Montreal had it all. I just, you know, I, I love playing you there. Off and, that, huh? and like you, yeah. So, so like you said, there's, there's some rinks I, you know, the lighting's bad and maybe you had a bad game in there and then it's just mentally in your head that, Hey, I, maybe I don't play good at this arena because I, I don't like it. And the next time you go in there, you're kind of, you're already down because you're thinking that in your head. So sometimes that's tough to, to overcome. Leighton, and one of the, my favorite moments in the 15 years that I've been doing the, the, the job as the pre-intermission and post-game host um, was after you guys won game five at, at the Wells Fargo Center. I had a chance to speak with Mr. Snyder after that game and going back to the cup final. 
Um, you guys as a group, you overcame so much just to even get to the playoffs and then to get, you know, past Boston and then to move on to the cup final. What, what was this couple of days like between that, that Montreal series win going to the cup and, and getting to Chicago for game one? Uh, well, the celebration was short lived, you know, we went in the locker room and we had our fun for, for an hour or two. And then, uh, the next morning we woke up and we have a meeting and, and that was okay. Let's yeah, let's get back to work. Let's, uh, let's focus on the next one. That's, that was the, the goal was to win, win it all, not just win that conference final. So, uh, very short lived, but definitely, you know, to be on the ice and, and, and to celebrate with those guys, uh, the conference finals was, was, was pretty amazing. And obviously I, I never experienced anything, um, like that. So to me, it was, it was pretty special. Let's go to the finals now. Um, open up game one and two. I think it was Memorial Day weekend, if I recall. I think Roy Halliday had the the perfect game that weekend as well. I remember watching it in the United Center. Bowles uh, with some other media people, especially the Canadians, because he played in Toronto. Um, but uh, playing against that Chicago team, we know what they are now. At that time, maybe a lot of people didn't know the extent of how good of a team they were with Kane and Taves and Duncan Keith, great players, guys that are going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Uh, what was it about Chicago um, that made them such a difficult opponent for you guys to deal with? Uh, they were just an all-around good team, high energy. Uh, and they, I think what, what really killed us was they were just so good in Chicago. They were, they were a home team that right from game one, they came out just flying. And, and we knew that and we tried to control it, but they were just so good in their building. Um, so, you know, when they beat us one and two, uh, we go back to to Philly and played two great games in Philly and one to tie the series two uh, two. You know we had some confidence. We go back to Chicago again and again in Chicago they came out flying and and end up beating us. You know pretty good that game. So just every time we we played in their building they seemed to to have that little edge on them and and we couldn't stop it. You mentioned Montreal. Chicago is it, that building had more capacity than any other building in the NHL. And it was wild. It was rocking at that time. Um, Leach, I've heard you talk about um, game six and the goal that overtime that ended the cup. Uh, and had that been maybe a year later, I know you've alluded to the fact that you would have maybe tackled that that threat or that opportunity by Chicago a bit differently from a technical standpoint. Can you kind of explain to people what, what you mean by that? You, I guess you're in, you're in VH there, which is vertical, horizontal, yeah. post integration. And maybe you'd have been in, in a reverse in that situation. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh you know, in, in 2010, that wasn't the, the RVH wasn't really even really introduced. There was some goalies that were starting to do it and it's funny, not funny, but Jeff Reese and I were, were kind of bringing up the topic. Uh, I would say about a month before that, and we were going over whether we thought it was good or not. And, you know, we were showing it to each other and kind of working on it a little bit just to see what we thought. And just because I didn't work on it or practice it that much, I chose just to do the regular VH, um, you know, on the, on that post play. So go to a year or two years later, I go to Russia and my goalie coach there was teaching me all about, Oh, sorry. Uh, even before that in Columbus, I was with, uh, Columbus, uh, what's his name? Uh, Clark, Ian yeah. Clark. So, Ian Clark, yeah. so Clark, Vancouver yeah, so now, Clark, yeah. he was teaching, Yep. So Clark, he was teaching me the, um, the VH. He was working with uh, a couple goalies, uh, Bobrovsky, who was a master at it. 
So he's the one that taught me initially. I go to Russia the next year and I learned it and, uh, and I, I would say mastered it, but I got very good at it. Um, you know, using my skate on the post or my pad on the post or my toe cap on the post. So there's three different ways you can do it. Um, but now I look back at that goal. If I would have learned this two years earlier, when Patrick Kane was coming down the wall, I would have already been going into my reverse VH uh, before he even shot the puck, which, you know, the puck would have just hit my pad. Uh, but when the goal did go in, my right knee just actually, I end up dropping my knee straight down on the ice instead of going on the inside of my pad. So it, again, it was just something that we didn't learn for a year or two after that goal went in, but something that could have been prevented uh, if I would have known that before. Yeah. So, so everybody that asks, why is the goalie always goes down on his knees? Well, when it gets to that spot of what we would call maybe a dead angle, that's the play. And it makes that routine. That's why it's kind of been brought into the game quick. Kind of as the guy that really kind of took it to the next level here in the NHL and rode that to success in a couple of cups as well. Um, it, in the fallout from that series, how devastating was it from a hockey and just an emotional standpoint after that crazy ride? Oh, it was, yeah. It, it, it's hard, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was shattering, uh, you know, to go from, being so high on everything and everything's great and and boom you just lost the stanley cup you know two two games away from winning the stanley cup so you know it's still still disappointing i still think about it every single day almost that's it's my life now right so um but what was really hard for me was after that i signed a two-year contract with flyers and you know I, i i knew we still had a good team and in my mind my mindset was okay let's get there again let's do it next year we're going to do it and i ended up getting hurt i had back surgery i went from back surgery to hip surgery the next summer and it just kind of snowballed uh, a couple injuries that really end up hurting my career and i I couldn't really get back in the nhl and and spend a lot of time there after that when your body is failing you and and you're having these multiple surgeries um, as an elite athlete that's really difficult because the mind still wants to do it the mind knows what to do You've had success and you can go back to that. But when the body doesn't want to cooperate, I imagine that's really difficult to deal with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that's what was hard, uh, you know, at the end of my career is I still felt great. Uh, if you were to put me in a, an AHL, NHL game, I know I still could perform. And the teams were still signing me because they wanted me there for experience to help the young kids and to play or to be called up uh, if need be. Uh, and then I started, you know, by being at home for the first month of the season, then I jump into a, you know, right into a practice for a week. I end up pulling a groin and then I end up having surgery after that on my groin. I hurt my knee later in my career, I had knee surgery. So all the rest, as I got older, my body was just not liking the rest. And, um, you know, I, I just felt like I, I would be good for a couple months and then I'd pull a groin and then I'd be out for a while and then I get back, feel great, everything good. And then I'd get hurt again. So, that's uh, that was disappointing because deep down I felt like I, I could still play right now. You know, yeah. I'm not in hockey shape right now, but I know, um, you know, goalie wise, I, I I felt good at the end of my career, and I was upset that I was had to retire um, because of uh, you know just finding it harder to get jobs too because of injuries and because of uh, my age. But I still felt good, so that was that was definitely frustrating how difficult was it to come to that decision to end your professional career? Because 
you play this game your whole life. We started out when you got in that goal for the first time with, and you gave up eight or 10, you fell in love with the position. You fell in love with the game. Um, and it's more than just playing and practicing. It's the camaraderie with the boys in the room. Um, it becomes really uh, your identity in a lot of ways. It, you know, it shapes you as a, as a man and I'm sure it shaped you as a father and a husband as well. Um, so what's it like to try and make that decision and come to the conclusion that I got to end this, I got to end this journey. Well, be honest with you, the decision wasn't that hard because my family that uh, that made it a lot easier. Um, but the fact that uh, you know, like you said, I, I do to this day still miss hanging out with all the guys. You know, the bus trips as much as it sucks sitting on a bus for five hours, but I enjoy playing cards and the company um, coming to the rink every day. These players become your brothers and your friends. So I miss that part of hockey. I miss the battling and. Uh, going to war every day with these with these guys and and meeting new people all the time like the hockey world I've met so many great people which uh, that's a, definitely a highlight of my career is just you know yeah I, I moved around to a lot of different teams uh, but I played with tons of players and met a lot of great people and um, you know down the road I hope to to, to meet up with these people again and, and and stay friends for life so that that's something that uh, you know I cherish forever. Late, you look at the position from a very cerebral mindset. Any interest in coaching? Being a goalie coach? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I applied for some teams uh, a few years ago, and there wasn't really any too many openings. And now with COVID, I kind of just uh, sat back, and I'm going to wait to see how things go in the next year. I'm not going to apply for any teams this year, but um, yeah, right now I'm just doing some private training. I got it uh, about. I'd say close to 15, 20 kids. I'm just working with uh, locally here and uh, having fun with that. And uh, I'm actually on the ice more now than I was when I was playing, <laughs> I guess. Huh. Between the three kids being on uh, six hours a week, I got uh, you know training mixed in with all that too. So well, I'm enjoying it though. But yeah, one day, one day I would like to, uh, my goal in life is still win a, uh, to win a Stanley Cup now. So, or it always has been. Uh, but if it's not going to be with a player, as a player, at least uh, coaching would be my next step. When's the last time you put the pads on and uh, faced rubber? Was it that last uh, game? I think it was last February. Uh, one of my friends got an outdoor rink uh, rental, and I, I put the, the gear on for his birthday and just had a little fun skate with them. And then I <laughs> I put my pads on for the kids uh, in the outdoor rink last last year, last winter. It's funny because a lot of guys, when they retire or they're done playing, goalies, if they're going to play pickup hockey or whatever it might be, they'll play, they'll skate out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that that'll be me. That'll be me. But I, again, I still love it. But my, I think my gear is buried so uh, so far in my basement right now. I got to dig it out before I do anything. <laughs> you might have to update that gear soon too, uh, with the advancements yeah, sure. in equipment. Um, any advice for, for young players? Cause we have, we have some players that listen to this podcast, uh, whether they're goalies or just hockey players, any advice that, you know, you went through every element of hockey. I mean, from playing in that Quebec peewee tournament all the way through the AHL, NHL, um, and had a long career. So any advice to the youngsters on, on how to kind of keep pushing and, and doing those things to, to put you in the best position to, to get the most out of the game? Yeah, if there was one thing I look back in my career that I wish I would have changed was my my work ethic in practice. And I'm not saying I, I dogged it every time, but uh, I really wish when I was younger I would have focused more and 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 really like later in my career I had some goalie coaches that said, okay, you know, 
practice is, is your work time. This is, let's have fun, but let's try to not let anybody score. Let's work on your game. Compete, right? And battle, show your coaches, show your players that you're here to compete. You want to get in the net and you're working to get better, right? And when I was younger, I kind of had this, let's have fun. Uh, and I didn't really work as hard as I should have. And I think that hurt me earlier in my career. Um, so any young kid out there that's listening, uh, my advice to you would be take each practice like it is a game and take each practice like this is the day I'm, I'm going to work my butt off and get better and not just go out there just to go out there. Um, Every practice and always can be stay an incremental step, right? And always, yeah, yep. And then my, my last thing to say is always stay positive. It's uh, being a goaltender, you're never not going to get pulled. You're never not going to have a bad game. You're always going to have struggles. You're always going to have things that happen that you can't control. So again, work hard, be able to, to shrug those off, you know, eliminate any negativity in your head and just stay positive and, and keep working hard. Lates, I'm doing a, an unofficial medical study and I'm not a medical doctor, but uh, I have this theory <laughs> because you just used the word. Um, there's so much about the position of goaltending that's not in the goaltender's control. It's a reactive position. And as an elite athlete, that's tough because you want to dictate terms as an elite athlete. So when in your playing days, and has this translated to you off the ice? Because it has me and I know a lot of other goaltenders and NHL guys that I've talked to. Um, a bit of OCD in controlling everything you can control because you couldn't control that. Um, no, yeah, yeah. I had, you know, I had my routines that I kind of stuck to. I, I did mm -hmm. the same thing and uh, superstitious. Yes. But if something happened that I couldn't control, I, I would be like, okay, I, I can't handle it. You know, that's fine. Um, but I, you know, I was pretty good at, and maybe it was just because of the career I had being tossed around so much. Um, me and my, my wife too, we both said, you know, let's stop thinking about what we think is going to happen and, and just let it happen. And I can't control that. So why worry about it? And that's what happened in my career. You know, if I had a bad game or I, I heard in the paper or on the radio that, you know, I was going to be put on waivers or I was going to be traded uh, right away, I would start thinking about it. Like, Oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then I'd get upset or worried and then i just eventually learned through my career that hey whatever happens happens i can't control it um let's just focus on today today i got practice uh tomorrow i'll get a game let's let's get ready for that game and and that's the mindset i took later in my career and uh and it is tough for a young kid you know you know am i going to make this team uh, am i going to start tomorrow um but again that those are things you can't control you just focus on each day trying to get better work hard, have fun. And that's all you can control. I've said it on this podcast and I've said it in the kids that I coach as well. If I've said it one time, I said it a million. And if I had a nickel for every time I say it, I'd be on a yacht right now in the French Riviera control, <laughs> the controllable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always yeah. my message. Um, last thing for you, Lates. Um, being a goalie, oftentimes uh, you ha you're in a tandem situation. You have a partner per se. Uh, you had some good ones and some interesting ones along, along the way in your career. Uh, any partners that stick out uh, here in Philadelphia or, I mean, obviously Briz, but, um, or, or along the way that really kind of uh, stick out to you as great relationships? Uh, yeah. I, well, I had a lot of, I could talk to you about this for an hour, but, um, <laughs> you know, later in my career, I had a lot of young guys that I really enjoyed working with that, uh, you know, just coming out of junior that I got to kind of mentor. I really enjoyed that. But early in my career, I had uh, Jocelyn Tebow. 
And, and, you know, to this day, me and Joss aren't like best friends or anything. I, I still have his number. I seen him in, in Vancouver and it was like, you know, or last summer I seen him in, in Vancouver. Uh, and it was great to see him, but just having a veteran goalie like him when I was, you know, 20 years old coming into the NHL in Chicago, uh, just to watch him, uh, see what he does, how he handles things. You know, he was an all-star that year. Um, that really made a big impact on my career. And, and I remember thinking when I was 20 years old, that's the guy right there. I want to kind of model my career after I, I want to be like him on the ice. And I want to be like him off the ice, very professional, uh, great teammate works his butt off. Uh, everyone likes him, And that, and that's what I want to be. And, and so I always remember that and, and uh, be thankful f- to him for, you know, for being so kind to me and helping me out as a young goalie. All right. Lasting uh, last word goes to you. Um, the 2010 playoff run in that season and your time here in Philadelphia, um, minus the part with, with the injuries that really dampened it for you in the long run. But uh, can you kind of sum up what it was like to play goalie in this city and uh, play for the Flyers and to have the success that you guys had that year? It was the greatest experience I had in hockey in my career. Um, as disappointing the ending was, uh, you know, to make it as far as we did and, and to see the city, the fans, um, to be with that group of players was the most fun I had playing hockey. And, and again, we lost and it was the most devastating thing. Uh, that right there was the most fun I had. And, uh, you know, going back to when you said, you know, something about Schneider, uh, after we lost, we're at our team party and Schneider walked up to me and said, thank you. Um, and he said, that was the most fun I've had watching hockey. And I looked at him, I said, what do you mean? You won two Stanley cups back in the day? He said, yep. He said, and that, and that was a blast, but he goes, the, the struggles that we went through this year and what we accomplished was the most fun and most exciting hockey that I ever watched. And, and he thanked me. So that sums it up right there. When your owner says that to you, even though we lost, uh, but for me, Personally, it's still a highlight of my career and always will be. Well, Lates, you were always a great guy to to cover through that whole thing. Uh, I appreciate you joining us here on the podcast and articulating so many of those memories. I can't believe it was a decade ago. I really can't. It's like time is speeding (laughs) up on us here. And when you have kids, I think time goes faster. We move in dog years. Oh, yeah. Um, But hey, best of luck, man. I I think you'd be a great coach. And I hope that really, I really hope that works out for you. But in the meantime, uh, enjoy the family. I hope everybody stays safe, stay healthy, uh, get through this pandemic. We really appreciate you joining us here on Flyers Daily. It was great to catch up. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Special thanks to Michael Layton for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily Goalies Week. And again, it continues coming up on Monday. Robert Esch will be our guest on Monday's episode. Brian Boucher next week on Wednesday. Bobby Taylor as well. So a lot to get to, all culminating with the current Flyers goaltenders of Brian Elliott and Carter Hart. It's Goalies Week. You know I'm loving this. In the meantime, everybody, have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on Monday's episode of Flyers Daily.